So today we will start the new chapter, the third chapter of the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. It's visit to Vidyasagar. So as an introduction, we will find it's mentioned that in the Gospel itself, we will read out the portion where Vidyasagar is being introduced. So Pandit Ishwar Chandra Vidyasagar was born in the village of Birsing not far from Kamarpukur, Sri Ramakrishna's birthplace. He was known as a great scholar, educator, writer, and philanthropist. One of the creators of modern Bengal, modern Bengali. He was also well-versed in Sanskrit grammar and poetry. His generosity made his name a household word with his countrymen, most of his income being given in charity to widows, orphans, indigent students, and other needy people. Nor was his compassion limited to human beings. He stopped drinking milk for years so that the calves should not be deprived of it. And he would not drive in a carriage for fear of causing discomfort to the horses. He was a man of indomitable spirit which he showed when he gave up the lucrative position of principal of the Sanskrit College of Calcutta because of a disagreement with the authorities. His affection for his mother was especially deep. One day in the absence of a ferry boat, he swam a raging river at the risk of his life to fulfill her wish that he should be present at his brother's wedding. His whole life was one of utter simplicity. The title Vidyasagar, meaning ocean of learning, was given him in recognition of his vast erudition. Sri Ramakrishna had long wanted to visit Ishwachandra Vidyasagar. Learning from M that he was a teacher at Vidyasagar's school, the master asked, Can you take me to Vidyasagar? I should like very much to see him. M told Ishwarchandra of Sri Ramakrishna's wish, and the Pandit gladly agreed that M should bring the master some Saturday afternoon at four o'clock. He only asked M what kind of Paramahansa the master was, saying, does he wear an ochre cloth? M said, no, sir, he is an unusual person. He wears a red bordered cloth and polished slippers. He lives in a room in Rani Rashmani's temple garden, 
In his room, there is a couch with a mattress and a mosquito net. He has no outer indication of holiness, but he doesn't know anything except God. Day and night, he thinks of God alone. On the afternoon of August 5, the master left Dakshineshwar in a hackney carriage, accompanied by Bhavanath, Aim, and Hajra. Vidyasagar lived in Badur Bagan in central Calcutta, about six miles from Dakshineshwar. On the way, Sri Ramakrishna talked with his companions, but as the carriage neared Vidyasagar's house, his mood suddenly changed. He was overpowered with divine ecstasy. Not noticing this, M pointed out the garden house where Raja Ramohan Roy had lived. The master was annoyed and said, I don't care about such things now. He was going into an ecstatic state. The carriage stopped in front of Vidyasagar's house. The master alighted, supported by M, who then led the way in the courtyard were many flowering plants. As the master walked to the house, he said to M, like a child, pointing to his shirt button, my shirt is unbuttoned. Will that offend Vidyasagar? Oh no, said M, don't be anxious about it. Nothing about you will be offensive. You don't have to button your shirt. He accepted the assurance simply like a child. So it's a simple thing. But we will find in the life of Ramakrishna, this is happening again and again. That sometimes he appears to be a very humble soul, down-to-earth person. If anyone calls him Guru, Baba, he is annoyed. He will say, God is the only Guru. I am uh, not even, just even a hear of his body. So like that, uh, of a devotee's body, not of God. I am not even a hear of a God's devotees, this body. So that type of uh, reaction he would have if anyone is to even call him Guru or Baba. But the same Ramakrishna, we will find that uh, sometimes uh, when you know that he has gone into a state uh, where even by a simply divine touch, he can just take anyone to Samadhi in deep meditation, into a divine intoxication. He, as if, is something much larger than life, personality. So these two things coexists In the uh, life of Ramakrishna, as has been written by Swami Sharadananda, the Ramakrishna, the great master. So there, in, while discussing the Guru Bhava of Sri Ramakrishna, he indicates that, that See, those Sri Ramakrishna we find is a humble soul. Here also we find that he is a bit nervous as if going to meet Vidyasagar. He's, uh, the button, his, he has not buttoned his shirt. And for that, he is in a fix whether that is going to annoy Vidyasagar. So that type of tension he has and where he needs the assurance of M that you need not bother about all those things. And now as we proceed, that with this type of humble attitude, nervousness, as if he's going to meet someone really a great person, compared to him, he is nothing. With this type of attitude, he is going to meet Vidyasagar. Once he meets, and suddenly we will find there's a total change in his personality. The way he's conversing with Vidyasagar, 
Vidyasagar in those days of Bengal, of the modern Bengal, in those days, he was a, considered as the Vidyasagar title itself means the one is ocean of knowledge. He was called Vidyasagar. He was called Karuna Sagar because of his compassion, as we just read it in his introduction. He was a, one of the most renowned figures of Bengal in those days. In his presence, when Sri Ramakrishna starts speaking, we find Vidyasagar is amazed. Some of the uh, conversations of Ramakrishna, he is bound to accept that I have never heard such words. We will come to that. So this transformation, just now we found him as in a humble mood of it, just a ordinary person, like a devotee. And again, he find in the divine mood of a spiritual teacher. So it happens in all the spiritually illumined soul. Basically, they are very humble. Actually, they have become nothing. The total ego has been eradicated. And that's why they are such an efficient instrument in the hands of the divine. The divine can work through, through us only when our ego has been eradicated. At that story that which we indicated even in the last class, that when Radha asks Krishna, that we never get your company all the time. The Krishna immediately showed the flute, which he was holding and asked Radha to see what's there inside. Nothing. That's what Radha saw. It's a hollow bamboo structure. And then Krishna indicated when anyone can become like that, hollow means the ego has been eradicated then only he can become the eternal companion of the divine. Not only that, then God starts playing music through his life. The flute is there for the music which Krishna plays through our lives. If we can really become the flute and Ramakrishna is that flute. He's totally humble soul. Ego has been eradicated. And that's why we say is a manifestation of the divine. It's a framework through which the divine is manifesting. All the divine incarnations are the framework through which the divine manifests. So here also we will find as we proceed, once he is in presence of Vidyasagar, a total transformation of his mood happens. And the, all the conversations that goes on, you will find is really remarkable. It's not only for Vidyasagar. Anyone who goes through this conversation will find to how lucidly he is describing the profound truths of the scripture. And that also in a very playful mood, in a mood, in a very jovial mood. So let's now proceed to the, the text. Vidyasagar was about 62 years old, 16 or 17 years older than the master. He lived in a two-story house built in the English fashion with lawns on all sides and surrounded by a high wall. After climbing the stairs to the second floor, Sri Ramakrishna and his devotees entered a room at the far end of which Vidyasagar was seated facing them. With a table in front of him, to the right of the table was a bench, some friends of their host occupied chairs on the other two sides. Vidyasagar rose to receive the master. Sri Ramakrishna stood in front of the bench with one hand resting on the table. He gazed at Vidyasagar as if they had known each other before 
and smiled in an ecstatic mood. In that mood, he remained standing a few minutes. Now and then, to bring his mind back to normal consciousness, he said, I shall have a drink of water. So this is very interesting. Throughout the gospel, you will find Sri Ramakrishna now and then will be desiring to have a glass of water. It's very interesting that his mind, whenever it, it used to go to the realm of that non-duality, it was that was the natural state of his mind. Spontaneously, it used to go to samadhi. And he used to res, resort to these short, small resolutions to bring his ma- mind down, just out of compassion, so that he can converse with the people, so that he can uh, show the way to all the people who are there in his presence. Uh, so that's the wonderful thing. Again and again, he's going to Samadhi. In that state, suddenly he will say, I want to have a glass of water. With that resolution, he brings his mind down. And when the water is brought, many times we find he is not drinking it. That with that resolution, he is bringing the mind down and that also out of compassion. That speaks of the mind of Ramakrishna. We, with a lot of effort, somehow may manage to keep our mind in some sublime thought for a fraction of moment or for some moment. Our natural state is the distraction. But for Ramakrishna, Samadhi is the natural state. And from there to bring down, he has to take all these small, silly resolutions, sometimes which have no meaning. With that, he is to bring his mind down. So, Vidyasagar told someone to bring water and asked M whether the master would like some sweetmeats also. Since M uh, did not object, Vidyasagar himself went eagerly to the inner apartments and brought the sweets. They were placed before the master. Bhavanath and Hajra also received their share. When they were offered to M, Vidyasagar said, Oh, he is like one of the family. We needn't worry about him. Referring to a young devotee, the master said to Vidyasagar, he is a nice young man and is sound at the core. He is like the river Falgu. The surface is covered with sand, but if you dig a little, you will find water flowing underneath. So it's a river in Ayodhya, the river Falgu, which has an undercurrent. Not Ayodhya, it's in, near Kashi. It's an, it has an undercurrent. It, was, it is said that because of uh, Sitar's curse, it went, became undercurrent. Whatever may be the reason, here the context is something very interesting. That the river, there is a current, there is a flow, but no one can see it. Similarly, in spiritual life, the more our spiritual flow is undercurrent, the more it is not visible, the more it speaks of our true transformation. Because in this life, for everything, we want to project ourselves with the ego. That I am a person of name and fame. I am a person of such and such wealth. With behind all this, the ego works. And now if we find a holy man also is projecting himself, we forget the basic thing of spirituality is the eradication of the ego. Once the ego falls off, nothing is there to bind us down. It is a locality of the ego 
which has resulted in this delusion of this limited individuality. So in the spiritual life, if we find anyone is posing as as religious, know it for certain, it is humbugism. It is never true spirituality. And Ramakrishna being the a spiritually eliminated soul, being avatar, he can immediately recognize. So seeing someone that who is appearing to be just a normal person, but within him, the spiritual undercurrent is flowing and immediately he appreciates that. River this that he is a nice young man and is sound at the core. He is like the river Falgu. The surface is covered with sand, but if you dig a little, you will find water flowing underneath. In this life, we find it's a very, very common occurrence. It's a big paradox. If in the world, Swami Vivekananda used to give a statistics that most of the people are not seekers. They're quite happy with their day-to-day life. Among the seekers, know it for certain, 80% are humbugs. Who are making a show of religion. 80%. Just see the percentage he's saying. And after that, he doesn't end there. And another 15% somehow gets mentally deranged because of all their so-called peculiar ideas or trying to overdo something, they get deranged. 15%. And 5% somehow sincerely proceeds towards the goal. So here this 80% humbugism is the thing which is really a matter of uh, our, what you say, concern. Because in our so-called day-to-day life, you will find there are many persons who doesn't profess to be religious in no way, but we will find they are much more humble, much more accommodating, much more uh, you say that uh, as per the sympathy, compassion, all those divine qualities are, ex- are finding expression through their life, but they don't profess that I am religious. There's a big paradox. There are many such people who in no way conform to any such religious belief, but they're humbler than the humblest person, nice person. But it's a big paradox. A great percentage of those who profess to be the religious are the cause of headache of the other family members. There's a huge percentage. They don't know what to, how to deal with that person. So that's why we find that Sri Ramakrishna has hit the mark. And that's why in, the, in Bengali, there is a very nice saying that Shadhu Habe, Shadhu Shajbena, Grihastha Shajbe, Grihastha Habena. That always pose to be a householder, never become a householder, be detached. And become a holy person, never pose to be a holy person. We always do the opposite. We always pose to be a holy person. And we are very, very actually highly attached to the so-called the mundane things, but we pose that in Sanskrit they call dharma dhvaji. The religion is like a flag you have hoisted so that all can see it is being hoisted. So Swami Vivekananda used to say a wonderful thing that so much energy be waste in this life to show others that I am very good. So much energy is wasted. If we would have used that energy to really transform ourselves, most probably we would have been a wonderful person. 
how much energy we waste just to show others that I am good. So Avatar recognizes that and immediately he's acknowledging. He's seeing a young boy. He recognizes that to the core of his being, he's a nice, there's no such as such outer manifestation of it. So that's why immediately saying he's a nice young man and he's sound at the core. He's like the river Falgu. The surface is covered with sand, but if you dig a little, you will find water flowing underneath. So these simple words have a great implication in our spiritual life. It's something through which we have to learn that what our spiritual life should be. The more we can hide our practices, even in the Bible you will find that Jesus is saying that don't make a show of religion. Go to the corner of your house when in, in the in the what do you say in, in the absence of others secretly try to commune with the divine i forget the exact words if i next time uh, i will just uh, i will just find the quotation and relate to you all that even jesus is saying the same thing all the religious leaders in spiritual life if we are really sincere about our spiritual progress try to keep your spiritual practices as hidden as possible let people don't know. Just uh, even compassion is also an aspect of spiritual practice. That's why they say when the right hand gives, the left hand shouldn't know. So all those things should be done in such a way that no one knows it. Only It's only you who know what you are doing. No one else. Everyone knows you to be an ordinary person. The more we can conduct ourselves in spiritual life, in that way, then only the real spirituality is uh, going to, what do you say, that uh, evolve, you are going to evolve in spiritual life then and then alone. Otherwise, it's, a, it's, it's an irony that the spirituality entails the removal of ego, but in the name of spirituality, we will be actually nourishing the ego. So the more the humble we are, the more the practices are secret, the more the others don't know. As Tulasidas used to say very nicely, Sabse basiye, sabse rasiye, sabka lije naam, haanji haanji karte raho, baithe apna tham. Mixed with all, when you are supposed to, you are bound to be with the others, you are bound to be with your family members, you have to socialize as if you are with all. Don't at that time just say that, uh, that I, I don't like all those things. I am very spiritually evolved. Let all have their share as per their demand on you is. But at the same time, haji haji karte raho, Don't forget that your goal in life, let that be there. Don't pull, if you make a show of it, immediately the ego will come to picture. So don't make a show. Even if it is not possible for the time being, uh, just to relate, I'm just speaking, it's not for all, means those who are in the family, engrossed, they have to be with their family members. So be with them. But we will find time that in our order, when we found the President Maharaj, when someone goes and says that we are so busy with the household time, work, I don't get time for spiritual practice. They will simply ask, do you get time for taking your food? Do you get your take time for having your shower in spite of all your busy schedule? You get time. And you say you don't get time for your spiritual practice because that is not a necessity. The food is a necessity. Somehow you will manage. 
Somehow you will manage to have your shower, a little rest. And we say we don't have time. So we do have time. Only thing that necessity hasn't evolved. And that's why just we mix with all and complain, I don't have time. In spite, if we really had that necessity after meeting all my, this family demand, still I could have practiced if that was a necessity. So that's the thing Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. There's so many, these ideas are there hidden in it. After taking some of the sweets, the master with a smile began to speak to Vidyasagar. Meanwhile, the room had become filled with people. Some were standing and others were seated. Master, ah, today at last, I have come to the ocean. Up till now, I have seen only canals, marshes, or a river at the most. But today, I am face to face with the sagar, the ocean. So see, here the iron, this Ramakrishna's, this wonderful presence of mind, his way, this presence of mind and his way of conversation uh, is something, his witty, this wittiness, all those things will be manifested. That his name is Vidya Sagar, ocean of knowledge. Even because of his compassion, people call him Karuna Sagar, ocean of compassion. So Ramakrishna is saying that at last I have came to the ocean. Till now, I was only see the canals, marshes, river. At last I've came to the ocean. So here also, Sri Ramakrishna is indicating in some other place in the gospel, he have told very interesting thing that you should have reverence for all pers- all who excel in some field or other, knowing well the God is manifesting through him, through all those excellences. These are very important sentences because you know that sometimes uh, in our life, unnecessarily we'll be censoring others, criticizing others. We can get rid of this by all these little suggestions. If you can see the manifestation of the divine in any aspect of life, someone sings well, you can of course acknowledge and be reverent, be reverential to that person that God is manifesting through him. That's why he can just attract so many people. Even in Bhagavad Gita, the 10th chapter is Bhivuti Yoga. There we will find the same thing that, uh, that uh, the Vibhuti Yoga means that God as that is everywhere, God is present everywhere. But he manifests himself specially through certain uh, aspects of life, through certain objects, through certain person. So there we find in one of the slokas, it is mentioned, Sarasam Asmi Sagara, that among all the water bodies, I am the ocean. So here also we find Ramakrishna is as if acknowledging the fact that he has at last came to the ocean, that the special manifestation of the divine is working through him. And that's why to acknowledge that, to revere that, he has came to meet him because the special manifestation of the divine is through him too. Just the way the divine manifests in the deity is the concept of archavataram. It's a wonderful concept that God is everywhere, but he specially manifests through the deity. This, the, the one to whom you do archana, archavataram. Similarly, this person of great caliber, excellence, are like the archavataram, are like the deity through which the divine is manifesting. So relate to him through reverence. So that's why he's saying, at last I have come to the ocean. 
Up till now, I have seen only canals, marshes, or a river at the most. But today, I am face to face with the Sagar, the ocean. Vidya Sagar smiling. Now we'll find that both are is as if uh, interaction of witty remarks. Immediately Vidya Sagar, he's a pandit. Immediately he replies very nicely. Then please take some salt water. Then please take home some salt water. And there's a laughter. Master, oh no. Why salt water? You aren't the ocean of ignorance. You are the ocean of vidya, knowledge. See, just see. Ramakrishna's report is that you are vidya sagar. You are not avidya sagar. You are vidya sagar. So why it should be salty water? You are the ocean of condensed milk. So in our Hindu scripture, that the idea is that Vishnu is lying in the ocean of the Kshiro the Shagara of condensed milk. So he's as if referring to that. You are the ocean of that condensed milk uh, on which the Vishnu is lying. So you are the ocean of that condensed milk. You are the ocean of Vidya, knowledge, consciousness. So why should uh, it be salty water? Vidya Sagar. Now see, he also has, he also accepts because you know that after all his name only says he's Vidya Sagar. Well, you may put it that way. The Pandit became silent. Now Sri Ramakrishna. Ramakrishna said, he's continuing his conversation. Your activities are inspired by Sattva. Though they are Rajasik, action means Rajas. So they are in general Rajasik, but they're influenced by Sattva because behind that compassion is there. Though they are Rajasik, they are influenced by Sattva. Compassion springs from sattva. Though work for good of others belongs to rajas, yet this rajas has sattva for its basis and is not harmful. So this is a very interesting thing that when you are giving, what's the motivation behind the act of giving? If you find that just by giving, you have a, you just experience a an immense joy. You have no other expectation. There is a joy in giving. You give and you receive silently something. No one knows. You have received that bliss just by giving. That is sattva. The same gift can be with an advertisement. I can ask the photograph with the news channels and all to come and take the photo of what I'm giving so that next day it may be advertised. That becomes rajasik. And again, I may give something to someone who doesn't deserve. I was not quite, uh, what do you say? Uh, um, I have not uh, that proper discrimination, whom to give, what to give, that may be tamasic. That's what has been mentioned in Bhagavad Gita, that dana in the 17th chapter, there can be three types of dana. That's what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating here. This is sattvic because it is out of compassion. And he only gives to the person who are in need. He will not just simply squander his wealth and there is no question of name and fame. So in this context, just let us refer to those three slokas of Bhagavad Gita in the 17th chapter. Very nice, where it speaks of the three types of dana, the three types of altruism. The first is sattvic. Datavyam iti yat dhanam. That it is good to give. Just with this idea, nothing else. I give 
without any expectation just uh, without considering anything in return deshe kale cha patre cha and i just don't give anyone asks i give i try to find out whether that what i'm going to give is really going to help him the proper time at the proper uh, person at proper place means everything i take into account and then without any expectation i give so that is satvikam tad danam satvikam smritam so charity given to a worthy person simply because it is a right to give it is it is right to give but there is no other expectation it is always good to help the needy so that's why i'm giving without consideration of anything in return at the proper time and in proper place is stated as satvik so here vidya sagar's dana is satvik and what is rajasik yattu pratyupakarartha prati upakarartha that i am giving so that i can get something in return that's for most of us phalam uddishya vapuna or for most probably some follow some hope some expectation some name and fame some uh, what do you say this propaganda all those things may be there behind my gift so yattu pratyupakarathang phalam uddishya vapuna diyache diyate cha pariklishtam tad danam rajasam smritam such type of dana is rajasik now vidya sagar's dana we know it is full of compassion nothing in return because very interesting in the life of vidya sagar we find a very interesting comment much later in his life when he was quite old someone for some reason just started abusing him it was in his in his presence he was just just standing in front of him he was abusing him and when the person stopped vidya sagar asked him have i ever helped you why are you abusing me because in his life he had that experience that those who he has helped in return somewhere or other they have tried to harm him but he still went on helping because his intention was not to get anything in return so it that's a ironical statement in the life of vidyasagar when someone abused him he he was asked him have i ever helped you why are you just abusing me so much have i ever helped you so so that's the thing that there is no expectation in return that is the rajasik and tamasik adesha kale yaddanam appatrebhyascha diyate asatkritam avagyatam tat tamasam udaritam i heard that you know that someone gets the tips because of most probably in restaurant uh, you are working as in a restaurant or the some the uber drivers they get tip for some very wonderful reason sometimes the tip may be quite big amount and we find that the tip was given when he was totally drunk and so he was totally drunk and was probably when he was normal most probably he would have not given so he doesn't really uh, that person most probably doesn't deserve that much of money but he was not as he was in the tamasic state suddenly that some thought came some impulse out of impulse a huge amount he gave so that is tamasic sometimes in life it happens that someone died and in that that moment we are so dejected we feel that life is useless and we may have the in that that impulsion may come let me donate most probably the next day you will think the other way there's a nice incident in the life of swami brahmananda the first 
president of Ramakrishna order. When he was the president, a person came, his wife died and he came and to give a huge amount of money as a donation. Brahmananda told, okay, okay, it's very good that you want to donate. It's very good, but why not wait for a few days? And after a few days, he never came back. And then others complained that why that he was willing to give, why you are just delayed it. And then he told the same thing. He was not in a proper mood. His wife passed away. He was dejected. dejected. Suddenly that feeling came. I knew that it is not going to be the real feeling. And later he will repent that why I have given that so much of money. And we are not supposed to exploit someone's weakness. If he really has the urge to give, why not wait and then let him give? For us, we are totally dependent on God. If he has the will to give, after a few days, he can of course give. But I felt, I knew that very well, that it was just an, because of that temporary dejection that he felt like giving, which he really never meant. So such types of dana are tamasika. So now you will find that why Ramakrishna is saying that your activities are inspired by sattva. Though action means rajas, but behind that, Pure compassion is there. Out of compassion, that his dana can be so effective. In Bengal, we know of Madhusudan Saraswati, the great poet. He became Christian, he went to the West, being with, what you say, infatuated with the glamour. And he very quickly he could find that he could in no way establish himself in the West. And he became a total pauper. Though he had that talent, wonderful talents, but he found that now his life is totally spoiled. From West, he wrote a letter to Vidyasagar that I am in such a dire consequence. Can you help me? Vidyasagar, just see that he knows Desha Kala Patra, whom to help. Immediately he responded. And Vidyasagar, as, with Vidyasagar's help, Madhusudan could come back, establish himself. And he, the poems which he wrote, are the masterpiece of Bengali literature. So now you will understand what real compassion is. He sees the person, whether he really deserves that or not, not just simply squandering the wealth, proper time, proper place, and out of compassion he's giving. So compassion springs from sattva. So that's the sattvic good. Through work for the good of others, that belongs to rajas. Yet this rajas has sattva for its basis and is not harmful. Sukha and other sages cherished compassion in their minds to give people religious instruction, to teach them about God, even to teach his rajas. But that Sukha, like saint like Sukha, who was immersed in Samadhi, Sri Ramakrishna is giving his example, that it was almost impossible to bring him back from Samadhi. His Vyasa's son, Vyasa knew that it is almost impossible to bring him back. But when the Bhagavatam, which was written, composed by Vyasa, and he knew that this is the scripture which is going to be the, which is going to be the savior of mankind. That as it has been mentioned in the Bhagavatam, that when Krishna at the end of Dwapara, he won't be there in his physical form. Who will be there? to save the mankind, to save the humankind. And the answer is, it's the Bhagavatam, the scripture. So it's, it holds such an importance. It is through the scripture 
God will be still uh, instructing the humankind through those scriptures. So it has to be circulated. It has to be preserved. Now, how to how to circulate that? So it ha- if someone who is really authentic is preaching, then people will take it. Just if you just if anyone goes and just speaks of Bhagavatam, why people will take it? Just the way in the present day, if you have to promote something, you do it through some uh, some very well known figure, and that like the film stars or some uh, great singers. Through them, you try to promote something which will be accepted by all. So here also we find to promote Bhagavatam, which is going to save the humankind. He needed Sukha to come back from his Samadhi. And it is that uh, by relating to, when, when one of the slokas of Bhagavatam was uh, narrated in his presence, that brought him, brought, this from, uh, brought him down from Samadhi. And he came to Vyasa and learned the entire Bhagavatam. And it is Sukha who started preaching. So just see, it seems as if he came down from that state. Yes, but that coming down is out of compassion. He's come out of compassion for, he has, what has to be attained, he has attained. Now there is no selfish desire. After attaining, he comes down to save the humankind. So that's, that's his pure sattvic. So he's as if saying that you Vidyasagar, your compassion is also like that. Sukha and others suggest cherished compassion in their minds to give people religious instruction, to teach them about God. You're distributing food and learning. That is good too. If these activities are done in a selfless spirit, they lead to God. But most people work for fame or to acquire merit. Their activities are not selfless. Besides, you are already a Siddha. Siddha means illumined soul. But again, we will find Ramakrishna is the master of repartees, playing with words. Now, this besides you are already a Siddha. Now, Vidya Sagar will ask, how is it that said? Siddha means a spiritually illumined soul. Okay, I am a scholarly person. Why you are saying me Siddha? How is it that, sir? Master, laughing. So what he's saying, when potatoes and other vegetables are well cooked, they become soft and tender. And you possess such a tender nature. You are so compassionate. Now in English translation, the real fun of this reparty, of this play of words, you, you will miss. He's actually playing, playing with the words. In Bengali, Siddha, as in Sanskrit, means one who has attained something. Is Siddha. In spiritual life, he has attained certain uh, stage, certain stage or certain evolution. He has evolved to a certain stage. That he's a Siddha Purusha. And Siddha also means anything which is boiled. So now you will find that otherwise, that if that's why in English translation we lose the fun. After saying that you are Siddha, when Vidya Sagar asks that how is it that I am Siddha, that I am the perfected one? I have, though I am a learned soul, but as far as the spiritual illumination is concerned, in which the Siddha word is used, why are you using it for me? And Ramakrishna now is playing with the words. When potatoes and other vegetables are well cooked, they become soft and tender. 
this yes maybe maybe that spiritual realization hasn't happened but the experiences of life have cooked you nicely you have went through so much of experience as they were telling that whom he was used to help they will always try to uh, harm him in return or don't accept that they were have been helped they will be indifferent to him and he has to he had to go through so many challenges of life betrayals but that made him more and more soft so here you will find that though you have not gone through spiritual practices but you have taken the facts of life in such a way you have reacted to them in such a way that that speaks of your evolution it's a wonderful thing that we think for spirituality i have to meditate i have to read scriptures and all those things but religious one can evolve spiritually even in a very unconventional way there is no need to read scriptures if i can react to the situation in a proper way that instead of it hardening me it can soften me it can make me more humble though may outwardly i may not conform to any practice but it can really change my personality so just see the words that sri ramakrishna was is here in this world to teach us spirituality even through secularism is he is not speaking of god nothing what is saying when potatoes and other vegetables are well cooked they become soft and tender and you possess such a tender nature you are so compassionate is all laughter now you find vidyasagar immediately understands in what sense ramakrishna is saying and then what he will reply something interesting but when the paste of kalai pals is boiled it becomes all the harder kalai is a type of lentil in bengal it's a lentil so if it is boiled it becomes harder so that's why he's saying that you're saying that uh, that uh, by boiling i became soft but there are some uh, pulses which by boiling just the opposite becomes harder master now will say let's see the wonderful but you don't belong to that class mere pandits are like diseased fruit that becomes hard and will not ripen at all so we know that in plant there are some diseased fruit that we are waiting that it will be getting ripened and then we find it has dried off because it has been already infected by the germs so it doesn't get the chance to so pandits are like that what he's saying is something very interesting in this life most of the time we will find that we have no control over the situations of life the circumstances of life when we start our life when we are young when we are with all our degrees qualifications money i think i am the lord of the world i just whatever i desire i get it takes few years to understand life has its own ways with all this i can have no control over it if you want to really uh, relate to these words uh, very deeply uh, uh, today after the class you just search in the internet the last words of steve jobs you will understand what it means that with all money you can do nothing you can do nothing very nicely i i am not relating here you just search it you all have this the computer internet that the last words of steve jobs how that those words are revealing the last words of steve jobs so we all will find in this life we will find that with all our wealth with all our position we come to a situation steve jobs had cancer with all the money could he cure himself 
that's the context in which he's saying something. And then he will give so many examples. With money, what can you do? So it's, we will find in our life, the situations are there over which we have no control. Now our evolution consists of what? How we react to that situation. So our reaction decides what we are. That the story which we have, we were relating a few class uh, in some other class, the story of a recluse to whom a person went for some uh, consolation. He has been betrayed by life. All those to whom he thought his near and dear ones betrayed him. So being betrayed, being totally betrayed by life, he was suffering intensely. So he went to that recluse, to that hermit, and was relating his life's agonies that I've been betrayed by all. Life has no meaning for me. And that recluse, the hermit took him to the backyard of his hermitage. And the backyard, the fencing of his backyard was done with the maple trees. The maple trees were there on which the barbed wire was nailed. So that was the boundary. So he took him near a tree which was extremely curved. He told, see, when I purchased this property, the owner, the previous owner, he planted these maple trees on the boundary. They were all young, tender plants. And he made it a and he just made it a point to make them the stump instead of having extra stump. So he made those young maple trees as if the stump and nailed the barbed wires on that. Now these trees have grown. These nailed barbed wires are something which are going to stay with them. It is like unchangeable circumstances of life. Now you see this plant, this tree is so curved throughout its pre this period of growth, it was revolting. That why something should be nailed on me by this bound wire. It was not accepting. And that made his growth so crooked. Now come with me. He took him to the another maple tree. That maple tree has grown straight and the barbed wire has gone through the core of the tree. The trunk of the tree, the, in the, the core of the tree, the barbed wire has passed, it has grown, it's grown straight. Now this recluse told, see this tree, it somehow understood that it is going to be with me. I have to stay with it. I have to stay with it. It accepted it. And now you see, nothing could hamper its growth, its threat. So in this life, how we react to the situation, on that depends our growth. So just see, there's no question of God. He has went to Vidyasagar that who in a conformed way is not a spiritual person, though he's a spiritual, like that Falgu river, it's under flow. To him, the words which are saying is wonderful. That you are Siddha, why you are so soft, the, all the struggles of life have made you soft. Vidyasagar told, why? It could have made me hard. That's why that's, there are some things which are when boiled becomes hurt. And Ramakrishna is saying, no, you're of not that class. You are not a mere Pandit. It's not that academic knowledge is not something just for your intellectual growth. You have internalized what you have studied. That has become the part and parcel of your life. And that has enabled you to react to the situation in a different way. And that speaks of your softness. So just see these words, it's playing with words, but these are all having so deep meaning.
Now Ramakrishna will speak of the ordinary so-called academic knowledge, which has nothing to do with our inner life, which only speaks of our degrees, of our qualifications, of our certificates. Still remember in our training center, very interesting, we used to have examinations. So on Swamiji's Karma Yoga, we had some uh, uh, that uh, after the completion of the study of the Karma Yoga, there will be an examination. And some brahmachari got the highest mark. But it was found that when we were have to work together, somehow he had the tendency to quarrel with others. And most probably, he won't be cooperating with others, trying to, some, trying to avoid the work, cannot take the work in the proper sense as a dedication to the divine. So then the acharyas used to say, just jokingly, he has got highest marks in karma yoga. So, that, so that's our education sometimes. That it, what we study has nothing to do with our life. You are studying karma yoga, getting highest marks in karma yoga, but nothing is being reflected in your karma. So that's the like the vultures. That vultures soar very high in the words of Ramakrishna in the sky. But their eyes are fixed on rotten carrion on the ground. The book learned are reputed to be wise, but they're attached to woman and gold. Like the vultures, they are in search of carrion. They're attached to the world of ignorance, compassion, love of God and renunciation are the glories of true knowledge. So unless the compassion, the love of God, renunciation, these things are manifested through your life. There, those things have been internalized. What's that there in the mere education? It doesn't help us. The, throughout our life, what happens? That as we don't have that proper orientation, we get sufficient uh, kicks from life. But we still follow the old ways. As Sri Ramakrishna in some other places giving the example, that a camel thrives on thorny bushes. It eats thorny bushes, it bleeds, but again it eats thorny bushes. We don't learn from the experiences of life. We go on with our old ways. So there, there's to learn from the experiences of life and become wise. For that, all the spiritual values has to be internalized. That's why Swami Vivekananda, after seeing Ramakrishna's life, when he's Many say that he has never mentioned the words Sri Ramakrishna. He has never referred Ramakrishna in his lectures. But if you read between the words, you will find Swami Vivekananda have uh, never referred the, the name of Ramakrishna in his lectures. That's true. Almost he has, in most of the places, he has not referred. Very few references we find. But what he was speaking was actually the commentary of the life of Ramakrishna, nothing else. Why he has not referred to the name? Because he himself told throughout the religious history, the incarnation comes to preach some ideas and his disciples forget the ideas and start worshiping the person. The person becomes more important. His ideas for which actually he came down, those become trivial. Just believe in him. What he says, he have nothing to do with that. 
the crucifixion of jesus becomes the passion of the entire christianity what he spoke in the sermon of the mount is become secondary those things are to be internalized we never think of that just believe in this person that's their over it's i'm just giving one example it happens with all our religious tradition so to avoid that we find he has not mentioned the name but it is his ideas just to give an example in many places swami vivekananda in his lecture is saying education is the nervous association of ideas what is it is actually speaking that the idea should become a nervous association it should become a stimuli response conditioning where he learned it sing ramakrishna one day he heard from ramakrishna that he cannot touch any metal because when he was doing sadhana he had the idea that the coins are made of metal all the currencies are made of metal so as i have renounced wealth i won't touch any metal even he used to take food on some banana leaves plantain leaves there's water used to be uh, the glass used to the tumbler used to be some earthen made of that clay so he couldn't take in metal so swami vivekananda thought that was probably it is an exaggeration how can that he says that if he touches any metal he f- has a tremendous pain his hand just gets curved uh, uh what is so that as if he has been stung by a scorpion so he thought this is exaggeration it cannot be true uh most probably uh, whenever he sees metal it has his mind uh, somehow uh because of its you know long associations ripples from it so one day to test ramakrishna what he did when ramakrishna was not in his room he kept a coin below the mattress it's not a very thick mattress in india if you go it's a tropical country where in summer we use very thin mattress so that it's even when you are lying on it it is quite cold if it's a thick mattress the mattress itself gets so hot it almost becomes impossible to lie on it so they use very uh, and the materials they use is also something different it is something bright grass they use with that they make that carpet so it's very thin so beneath that he kept that coin and he was hiding himself to watch that when ramakrishna comes and sits on the bed over the mattress whether uh, that he says that even unknowingly the metal touches him he feels the pain whether it really happens and when ramakrishna returned to the room sat suddenly he jumped up and called his nephew ramlal ramlal please come please remove the mattress please see some if something is there or not and he found the coin and then he realized that most probably to test him someone is has kept the coin and then he finds narendra he was happy that yes you should always test uh, test one whom you accept as your teacher see him day see him at night see him 24 hours then only you believe in him he was happy and ramakrishna narendra was amazed can it really happen that his total reflex has changed total just as in the bhagavad gita as it has been mentioned that for a realized soul the things which attracts us for a realized soul all those lurements makes a realized man just crawl within like a tortoise that's just the way the tortoise withdraws its limb within the shell when it finds something there is a danger a realized soul is so sensitive it will instead of spreading out just the reflex has become opposite it will withdraw itself 
And that's what we find in the life of Ramakrishna. That makes Vivekananda say, education is a nervous instrument of ideas. That's why Swami Vivekananda, when Ramakrishna came to Vidyasagar, seeing all those compassion, everything manifesting through his life. So that's why he's saying that you have, you have, you have actually become so soft. You have, your experiences of life have boiled you to softness. Otherwise, ordinary persons are like vultures. They soar very high in the sky, but their eyes are fixed on rotten carrion on the ground. The book learned are reputed to be wise, but they are attached to women and gold. Like the vultures, they're in search of carrion. They're attached to world of ignorance, compassion, love of God, and renunciation are the glories of true knowledge. So this is the person who was asking before, just before meeting Vidyasagar, have I to button my shirt? So this is the person has totally changed. So this wonderful character of Ramakrishna, Deva Manava, is such an intertwined. Now he's a human like any of us, suddenly he becomes larger than life figure. That's a wonderful thing which charms us, which really attracts us to Ramakrishna. That he never tries to, he's never posing to be a spiritual person. He always is a humble person. But the moment the divine has made it a point to work through him, such a wonderful instrument he is. And he's bound to be because there is no trace of ego in him. And the divine finds the best instrument like that flute in the hand of Krishna. It's just the music which comes out. And so in such a spontaneous way, who will say a, an illiterate, almost an illiterate person, not illiterate, Ramakrishna knew to read and write. But his education was not to the, uh, what you say, the uh, school or uh, college level. He, don't, he knew to read and write, but in later life, even that writing became very, as he was not practicing regularly, that writing became very hazy. In the beginning, in, the, in his olden days, now we have found his writings are there. His own handwritten writing things have been preserved. He had a very wonderful handwriting as a child. Very wonderful. It's like calligraphy. Such a, but in later years, of course, when he's writing Noren Shikhedive, that's quite hazy because he was not practicing anymore that writing anything. The thing is, for all practical purpose, he was an uneducated. As for our academic knowledge is concerned, he was uneducated. He, for the first time, is meeting the most learned man of West Bengal in those days. And just see the way he's conversing with him. It's the divine who is working through him. That's what Ramakrishna used to say, that ma rash them. That, you know, in, when, the, when you husk the paddy, the one who is husking, he is busy with the husking. Someone else has to just go and pour in the cereals. So Ramakrishna says that when my speaking is like husking, that I have to speak something I am speaking, but someone else is just pouring the cereals. And that's what we find through his words. The most that down-to-earth person is totally become a larger-than-life figure and even inspiring personalities like Vidyasar. So we'll continue. It's a very, very interesting conversation that we will continue again in the next class. With this, we... Uh, conclude our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.